The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Congratulations to David and Sarah. David G. yesterday announcing on social media that his second daughter has been born. I'm going to leave the details at that. When DG is back with us, I'll let him uh, go over all the details. But I just wanted to send out the congratulations. Um, And um, it sounds like everybody is healthy. Everybody's good to go. So once again, congratulations to uh, David G. for becoming a father for the second time. Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner and Travion Birkeland. It's just us in the studio today until Troy. Hey, man, just take the day off because we're only here till 440. We're going to wrap up at that time because K-State Volleyball will be taking over at approximately 445. Rob Velker is on the call. Cats in Morgantown to take on the West Virginia Mountaineers. First serve is a couple of minutes after 5 o'clock. So we're only on it for you know another 32 minutes. That's how long today's show is. And uh, before we get to uh, Derek Young, who is standing by, I've been asked to pass this memo along. Uh, any TCU fans in the area that will be heading to Lawrence for uh, college game day and the game that kicks off 11 a.m. at the booth, uh, you're supposed to wear black. It is a blackout for the fans in Lawrence for TCU, and it will be a blackout for the fans up in Ames, Iowa, when the Iowa State Cyclones host K-State on Saturday at 6.30, because it looks like the uh, Iowa State team will be wearing black and I'm sure many of the fans will be doing the same. But everything is normal with K-State. The classic road uniforms. And it's Wednesday. You know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight from Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. And it is the third anniversary of AEW Dynamite. We'll have Danny Garcia and Brian Danielson against Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Chris and Sammy call their uh, tag team La Sex Gods. It is also National Scissoring Day, so uh, get your scissors and watch some Dynamite tonight. Uh, I will for sure be watching live starting at 7 o'clock on TBS, but that also means we have Derek Young for KCN Online, who's going to be joining us officially for the full show today. D.Y., can you believe it's been 25 years? It was 25 years ago today that Kane debuted at Bad Blood in your house? No. I cannot believe that. I, I wasn't a big into that at that point, I don't think. When did you get into it? Oh, it was probably right around 2000, I want to say. Oh, man. Whew. You missed out on the good. Well, you're like on the the uh, the outer edge right. of the uh, good years, right, right towards the end there, the Attitude Era. But, man, 97, October 97, it was just really getting going at that point. Just getting going at that time. All right, D.Y., let's, uh, let's talk some cats here. Oh, first of all, Farmageddon week, have you cut corn out of your diet? I, I wouldn't say I cut it out, but I haven't uh, included it in my, in my diet this week. I wouldn't say it's a main staple ever, unless I'm like in Chipotle, 
like uh, I'll get some <laughs> core, but I haven't been to Chipotle this week. Well, who was it on uh, who, who uh, on Twitter earlier uh, this week said if you go to Chipotle, no corn, not allowed. Who do you remember who that was? I think that was Austin Carpenter. From yes. Basketball style, yeah. that, yep, that's right. Yep, I, I haven't been since that. Construction's been going on over at Chipotle here in here in town. I haven't been over there. It's just been real difficult to find a spot and and go get some. Uh, I'm I'm not one to get it delivered to me. I think that's a uh, a bit lazy on my part. But uh, yeah, I, I'll wait on the corn. Pick, you got to pick on the tortilla this week, right? A wheat tortilla or a corn tortilla? Well, yes. Uh, typically, well, like at those kind of play, like Chipotle, Qdoba. I don't think they offer. Uh, a corn tortilla, uh, so it is wheat. You, you just got to go that in that direction. But generally, if I had the choice, I would always go to corn tortilla. I would typically as well because it is, you know, you know, viewed as the more healthier option. Uh, the game this past Saturday against Texas Tech, nice win for the Cats. If anything that you take away from this game offensively of course adrian and deuce both had great days adrian ran in three scores for a buck 71 deuce a buck 70 with zero scores i'm kind of getting sick of 9 a.m hogging all the touchdowns but i mean did he at least prove to you and i'm talking about adrian that the leaf that was turned against oklahoma is going to stay turned for good yeah that's what i think i i, I don't you didn't see any signs of hesitation whatsoever he was still you know of the aggressive mindset even if they didn't throw the ball as well versus uh, Texas Tech like they did against Oklahoma, Oklahoma threw for 240, um, just got over 100 against Texas Tech. But, you know, there wasn't a ton of options there. I think they found out that the running game was going to be, you know, quite a weapon, so they stuck with it. Um, some protection issues at times in the passing game, so the running game is what worked. But in general, man, whether he's going back to pass it or it's the QB run game, I mean – you watch that game and a few times like I have, and you kind of keep dwelling on it and, and what's working for the offense and what isn't and why certain things are happening and why certain things are not happening. And you come to one conclusion. The last two weeks have not been perfect for the offense. In fact, that, you know, there has been some negative plays and, and aside from the explosives in between, it's been a lot of pretty meh, even on the ground. And I, Really, Adrian Martinez is really bailing this offense out right now because there could be a lot more sacks, but he's evaded pressure and turned, you know, potential negative plays into positive plays, and and he's taking advantage of what's there. Like even when the 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 pressure and the blitz comes, they can't, you know, leak out Deuce Vaughn in the passing game because there's a spy on him instead of Adrian. So Deuce stays in and pass protects, and he's doing a very good job in that role. But that means that the, the lanes are there for Adrian Martinez. And if not for his legs, Kansas State would probably be in quite a bit of trouble this year. Um, he's bailing them out, um, extending plays, doing a lot of what they need from him, what we thought we were going to see from him in the first three games and didn't. Um, he's kind of been the savior the last two games. And I know savior sounds a little bit strong because they did beat Oklahoma on the road at night, 41 to 34. Um, the luster came off that win a bit because they got blown out by TCU. Still a good performance nonetheless. Well, let me ask you this. So I, I think actually where I saw it first was after the win against Oklahoma. But, uh, yes, Adrian has been just phenomenal running the football lately. He was great throwing it against Oklahoma. Didn't need it so much against the uh, 
against the Red Raiders, but seeing Adrian's name like in the top ten when it comes to uh, odds to win the Heisman Trophy, does that catch you off guard a little bit? Yeah, I almost think it's maybe a little too hasty. Not, not Nothing against Adrian. I just sang his praises for three or four minutes just before this question. But it seems like, you know, trying to beat everyone to the punch. Vegas trying to, uh, the odds makers, the sports books trying to get ahead of the game on that front. Because you, if you take the entire year into account, I don't know that he is a top 10 Heisman contender. But uh, it makes sense. He's a quarterback for a pretty good team at this point that has a chance given the schedule and the way that they are playing to have a really good record at the end of the year if they they stay on the right track. So at the end of the season, assuming that they're, you know, 10 and 2 or better, um he makes sense as a Heisman contender if he continues to supply the numbers that he has the last two weeks and and just kind of reflecting on that what what he had 171 rushing yards I want to say. Um mm-hmm. I think he beat Deuce out by a yard. If I remember correctly, how long was that run on third down that got called back too because of a hold on Adley Panzer? I think that would have been that would have given him two hundred yards if that didn't call get called back. It absolutely would. I, it was probably boy, I don't remember the exact yardage, but I remember Coach mentioning it was like 80, 85 yards if you count for cutting across. The, yeah, it was a very yeah. similar run that he had against Oklahoma that was on that third and sixteen where he cut, yeah. cuts across the field and runs down the left boundary. Yeah, it's a lead, it was at least 35 yards, I want to say. And it was funny because the next play, he could have, you know, probably not got the first down, but got a pretty huge chunk of yardage. And he elected to throw it probably for the same amount of yardage. The joke was, even from Chris Kleiman, I think after the game, that he, Adrian was probably pretty gassed from the, the play prior. Well, and if you take away the yards that he lost because of sacks, and he was sacked, what, three times, I think? I'm looking at the cheat sheet here. I think he was sacked three times, yeah, against Texas Tech. He would have 194. So, and that, of course, you go back to the blitzing that uh, Texas Tech was doing. They were really blitzing their tails off there starting in in that second quarter. I hate that they include the sack yardage in the quarterback rushing totals in college. They don't do it for the NFL, I don't believe so. I think it's kind of silly to – it should be two different things in in my opinion. Well, Ben Sinnott was a part of that uh, that adjustment that they made with the some quarterback power, lead blocker type of stuff, of course. Uh, you liking Ben Sinnott more of a run blocker as a, a fullback or an H-back than he is as a tight end? Uh, yeah, I'd probably like him in the, in the lead blocking department, um, I would agree, because they brought him back there and put Sammy Wheeler in line as a tight end, just added for another gap, but the, and then they started to – have a little bit of more operating room there, um, whether whether it was QB power for Adrian Martinez or or even that's when Deuce Vaughn started to having some creases in the running game too, that uh, third quarter. And he took off, I think, for a 69-yard – I don't think he got in the end zone, but 69-yard run just like Adrian. So uh, it, it worked that game. I don't know when it's going to work every game. Um, every game it's a, they say it's almost like a cliche thing, 12 one-week seasons, but it really is because – what worked for Texas Tech might not work against Iowa State. And it's not just that you have to be focused week in and week out in the Big 12. You do, because there is no gimmies in this league, not even West Virginia, who has kind of been struggling a little bit and, and probably the, the bottom dweller of the league at this point. Well, it's not just that. It's because the teams are so different, too. I mean, you'll get single high safety looks most of the time from Texas Tech and 
and a four-man front, and then you're going to get Iowa State this week who's kind of splits the safeties, right? They mm-hmm. have three cross, just kind of like K-State because they have the jack safety and run a bit of an odd front, 3-3-5. Three, three, They're the ones credited with the momentum towards that where a lot of teams run it now, and Kansas State included. So it's just it's a different. It's going to be a completely different game. What the adjustment is not going to be the same. Iowa State's defense, you have to attack it so much differently than you would Texas Tech because the matchups are different, the alignments, the configuration, the gaps, everything. There's not a whole lot of crossover between those two defenses. Yeah, I was talking to. Uh... We'll hear on the game tomorrow, but uh, Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register. I just, I, we got to talking about Iowa State's defense. We both agreed. I mean that that is the big factor of the game Saturday. Will K State be successful against the defense running the football of Iowa State, or will it be flipped the other way? And that could be a big difference if Iowa State can keep K State in check. But he felt like give you a little spoiler on the uh, interview, and I I agreed that. Uh, it's gonna be even though Iowa State's been good. It's gonna be really hard to keep them both contained, especially if there's an option on on a single play of both of them running the football. That that's I, where and and Deuce even called it pick your poison. It is. Um, they're probably well equipped to handle that about as well as anyone in the league because they have such a good front seven, especially on the edge with Will McDonald. I don't think there's a defensive end better than Felix and DK Izama in the Big 12, but if there is, it's Will McDonald. Those two are close. I love Felix, but Will McDonald's a stud as well. Yeah, Will McDonald. I, if I remember correctly last year, though, I mean, you have a better memory than I do. Didn't K-State do a pretty decent job against Will McDonald? I, I mean, I can't remember exactly. I know they lost the game, and Kansas State did, but that's about it. Um, from what I remember from that game, I know yeah. it was kind of like one of those get over the hump games again. And Brees Hall took the first play for a touchdown. That's what I remember. It wasn't the 45 to nothing game, but it just felt like um, Wynn was taking out our sales from that first play from scrimmage. I, you know what? Statistically, he probably didn't. I'd have to look. But there, there's very few games where he doesn't play his butt off and, and wreak havoc. He, he can make a he could be the best player on the field and not give one stat. He's that kind of guy because he's going to see a lot of doubles and triples just like Felix. I'm sure there's something on YouTube I can go watch of K-State against Iowa State last year. Maybe they single out Will McDonald, and I can get my answer there. But um, I like the single number, too. The, oh, number nine? Yeah. yeah, I like that. It's a good look. Well, we're talking with Derek Young from K-State Online. Uh, we'll ask a couple of questions about the defense. And since uh, we, we, we're not going to mention Vegas tomorrow uh, because no DG – and plus, we're just jam-packed with interviews tomorrow. So I'm going to get D.Y.'s thoughts on a couple of games in the Big 12 on Saturday up next. Travion, who is this? Sounds familiar. This is No Doubt. Oh, okay. From 1999. New. I, was, I was almost about to guess Hoobastank. Oh, really? <laughs> I think I'm getting that mixed up with another song. This is my favorite No Doubt song. They're one of my favorite bands. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, Just a Girl, you know, that's, uh, I, I would say that's my go-to. Right. That's right. my go-to. It's a good it's one. A, it's a classic. Yeah, it really is. Back with Derek Young for Case in a Line, which, by the way, we are out at, uh, we're out at 440 Sharp, guys. We got to bounce because, uh. Rob Elker is going to be demanding the studio because he is calling some K-State volleyball from where I'm sitting right now uh, because not traveling with volleyball this season. They're in Morgantown, West Virginia, and they uh, 
at first serve a few minutes after 5 o'clock. And uh, pregame is at 4.45. Well, we're back with Derek Young from KSL Line for another 12 minutes or so. Uh, D.L., I jump over the defense. I kind of had, after the Oklahoma game, it was like, okay, there were positives, there were negatives, but maybe a couple more positives. The negatives, when you win the game, I kind of have the same feeling about the Texas Tech game, but leaning more towards the positives. The negative was you gave up a bunch of passing yards, but the positives were more turnovers than probably expected and more sacks than expected. Would you agree or disagree? No, it's... I understand people's a little bit hesitation and reticence with the defense because they give up 34 to Oklahoma and 28 to Texas Tech. But one of those touchdowns for Oklahoma was maybe two. was kind of in the prevent defense look where you'd rather them chew up a lot of time even if it's surrendering seven points at the end of the drive because the time is more important than, than the scores at that point. So it's situational football. And against Texas Tech, I, you know, they had a late one – late score too, where I think it was a pretty similar situation, quite frankly. Um, so I, I just have a little less concern with this defense than most, especially the way that they're getting out the field and third and fourth down. I thought a score too was also just a result of being put in a pretty tough situation by the offense because they went five drives in a row um, across that second quarter. And I think maybe part of the first or part of the third, I don't know if it was just the second quarter, where it included four three and outs, and the fifth one was a drive that only lasted two plays because Deuce Vaughn fumbled the ball and they lost it. It was a turnover by Kansas State. So I, it's just hard to get on the defense when the only time they're really breaking whatsoever is when you know their backs are up against the wall and, and really impossible situations, quite frankly. I mean, that's five drives in a row where your offense didn't get a first down. Not one first down. They didn't get one in that, in that span. And on the flip side, you're playing an offense that goes as fast as anyone in the entire country. Texas Tech ran over 100 plays in the two games prior to playing K-State. So your offense can't stay on the field. Texas Tech's running 100 miles per hour. Um, that's a good way to get gassed if you're a defense. They certainly did. So I just, yeah, I'm not really worried about this group whatsoever. Texas Tech against K-State ran 82 plays. K-State with 58 yeah, that's tough for a defense. Yeah, and you're right. I, I was looking at the drive chart when you brought that up here, and I was and I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, you're right. That fumble was the first drive, and then four straight three and outs. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, there was uh, absolutely a lull for the offense. One other question about the offense. So if there was one thing I really wasn't happy about was some play calling on third down and like third and goals or third and red zone, and I thought there were some conservative calls. Is do you feel the same way, or am I just kind of looking into that a little bit too much? Yeah, there was a third down when they were in the red zone to go up 13 to nothing. They they just ran on third and thinking goal from the six or seven. They just ran it, and then were kind of felt like just content to go with the field goal and take a 13 nothing lead there. Um, yeah, some of those make me scratch my head. I think that's a fair criticism. It almost felt, and, and I think uh, in the game before against Oklahoma, I think it was right after, you know, Dylan Gabriel kind of marched down the field. So I don't. I think they were more eager to run out the clock and make sure that they'd rather take the three than the seven if it meant Oklahoma didn't get get another possession right before halftime. I understood that one a little bit, but um, the Texas Tech ones are, you know, a little. Uh, they were a little weird at times. 
Speaking with Derek Young from Casey Online, one other note I wanted to make about the defense and uh, the passing yards they gave up, which was 359, the leading passer in the Big 12. Uh, actually, statistically, that's slightly below average for uh, for Texas Tech. You know, to make it general, it was an average day for Texas Tech in yardage and throwing the football and 48 attempts. They uh, case they given up one big play. That was uh, 58 yards, and uh, Texas Tech did have a receiver over 100 with 120 was. Xavier White, who was really impressive, and so was Trey Cleveland, who finished with uh, 98 yards. Do have a, a little bit of breaking news here. Uh, Felix Indudike Uzama just got the email here from, uh, from K-State with his three-sack performance, has been named the Lot Impact Trophy Player of the Week. So congratulations to Felix Indudike Uzama. Now, the other player who had three sacks was Khalid Duke, and he was named co-defensive player of the week in the Big 12. Was also he had, he had eight tackles total. Was that? Did, I mean, did Cleet Duke have his best day as a Wildcat on Saturday against Texas Tech? Dy. Statistically speaking, yes. I, I bet he's played just as well. Especially, you know, it was his best one this year. I, you know, he was pretty good before he got injured last year. He was really good in Stanford game. Um, maybe didn't have the same numbers, but he was really good that day. He, he was put in some really good opportunities and good situations by defensive coordinator Joe Klander on Saturday. They kind of unleashed him a little bit more. I mean, when you line him up, staying over the guard, um, which he did for two of his three sacks, right next to Felix, I mean, that, that puts a lot of stress on an offensive line or a blocking scheme if you're going to bring in the running back or the tight end to kind of pair there because you can't double both. And the communication has to be pristine to to get it right when they're coming at you, you know, from the same side, from the same direction. So that just makes it really difficult. And, and it was the first time they kind of threw that, you know, wrinkle at anyone since the two have been on campus together at Kansas State. So Texas Tech uh, was a little bit probably a situation where they hadn't seen that before. So it caught them off guard and allowed Duke to kind of um, get his, so to speak, for a little bit before they, you know, could figure out how they were going to come up with an answer for it. So some of it, and Khalid Duke played really, really good. Some of it was scheme and, and a really good coaching job at Joe Klanderman and, and some of it's him getting healthier. But uh, quite frankly, he was pretty good before he got injured uh, last year too. Every defensive player we've heard from after the game and even on Tuesday, everybody had mentioned at one point Joe Klarneman and uh, the scheme that was uh, drawn up for that defense to be successful against Texas Tech. Uh, So K-State with six sacks against Tech, 10 tackles for loss. It's the third time this season K-State has had exactly 10 tackles for loss against an opponent. One of them was against the Missouri Tigers. So, D.Y., this is probably on the show this week, our last chance to kind of look at the Big 12. So I was wondering if you'd give me some input on what you think about a couple of games this week that will not be included on Powercat Game Day because, of course, they'll be played by then. K-State has the late game. Uh, TCU in Kansas at 11 a.m. on FS1. TCU is seven-point favorite. And College Game Day, KU, uh, right as we were going on the air, announced that this is another sellout for the Jayhawks. Um but what do you think their legit chances are against TCU, who has just been putting up a ton of numbers offensively this year? You'd think it'd be a lot of points in that one. TCU's defense a little improved from last year. It couldn't get any worse. They were they were probably the worst unit on that side of the ball a year ago. Actually, Kansas was. So these are two terrible defenses a year ago. Just outright terrible. Awful. 
Um, both a little bit better. Obviously, KU only gave up 11 to Iowa State, so they're doing something right. But defensively, they're still kind of a problem this year. And TCU, um, they were bad last year, still kind of a problem this year. These offenses are both just hitting at ridiculous rates. The Jayhawks were finally slowed down last week by the Cyclones because Iowa State can really get after you on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know what to expect here. Um, it would be shocking if it wasn't a shootout just based off everything that I said. I mean, you think both of these teams could possibly get into the 30s. I, you, you almost go to the home team here um, and counting against Kansas, which I have almost every week, has kind of got me bit every week because they're still unscathed. You know, they're not going to come up and sneak up on anyone any, anymore. They're, no one's sleeping on Kansas. They're kind of the the target at this point. So it'll be interesting how they respond to that. I think they were last week, too, when they played Iowa State. I'm just not sure if Iowa State has enough offense to to really make teams pay this year. TCU does, so it'll be interesting. Um, we'll see the medal of Kansas because they just beat a really good defensive team, and now we're going to see what they can do against a really good offensive team. I mean, TCU has been sort of tough this year in the in run defense. I mean, Iowa State let, or held Jalen Daniels to – what was it? Uh, nine yards on eight carries. I mean, I mean, he wasn't able to do anything. I mean, all around Iowa State was really good defensively against Kansas. wasn't so great on special teams and certainly on offense. Special teams was just a complete disaster, pretty much, against Kansas. But man, when I look at TCU's offense, I mean, goodness, I mean, they're putting up five fifty, five hundred fifty yards a game. And the next closest is Oklahoma at 480. Like, I mean, those are really good they numbers. It, it, yeah, and they played a pretty pedestrian schedule, to be fair. Yeah, it, it, true. But, uh, I mean, they did just do whatever they wanted against Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, Oklahoma. Kansas State. Yeah, or, so Oklahoma's defense is uh, – they're uh, basically non-existent right now. You know, you and I could line up and score on the Sooners at this point, I think. Yeah, and Kansas is slightly better. Uh, defensively than Oklahoma. I don't know. I'm, I'm leaning TCU. I really am. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think this could definitely be a shootout. Now, uh, speaking of uh, shootout or rivalry or whatever you want to call it, over there, uh, Red River separates them. Texas and Oklahoma, uh, 11 a.m. on ABC, first of all. Now, I'm not giving my, my television ratings that I contribute one second to this game. I'm protesting. I'm not going to watch it. But, you know, Dylan Gabriel being questionable. Venables won't say if he's in or he's out. I'm just kind of assuming he's out. That was a vicious hit that he took. I got to lean toward Texas. What are you thinking? Yeah, Texas. I mean, it's – I mean, Oklahoma can't stop anything right now. It is – they're the defensive side of the ball. Unless they bring in like a, a psychologist and fix that overnight, they can't stop anything. It's, it's that bad. I've never – I mean – as bad as Kansas and TCU were on defense a year ago, Oklahoma's in that company right now, and that's not saying anything remotely positive about that side of the ball. They're not going to beat anyone if they can't get off the field on any possession. I mean, I think the the amount of punts that they've given up or forced lately in the last two weeks, you only need one hand, and you probably don't need all five fingers. That's how, that's how bad it is. All right, well, D.Y., I'm sure you can hear the the music in the background. It's time for us to get so Rob Velker can take over. But uh, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you for Powercat Game Day at 2.30 Saturday. See you later.
It's Derek Young from Casting Online now with On3. Follow him on Twitter at DYoungKSO and get that subscription with Casting Online to keep up with the premium content, the ins and outs, the behind the scenes, what's going on with K-State football and basketball. All right, it's time for us to go. For Travion Berkland, I'm Mitch Fortner. K-State Volleyball coming up here in a few minutes. Thanks for listening to the game. Go Cats!